we're recording. Apologies for the delivery scooter men revving outside my window. This is Beyond the Pass. Conversations with people from all walks of hospitality life. Centering mental health, Beyond the Pass is a conversation about life, hospitality and what makes us get out of bed each day. Hi everybody, I'm Tobiana, the founder of Kelly's Cause Foundation and I'm here today for our uh, first episode back of our Beyond the Past podcast, our second ever episode and our first one back. We started um, creating this podcast series approximately four days before the UK went into its first lockdown in March last year and we finally got around to getting it going again and Beyond the Past is a conversation with different people in hospitality about their life, about their roles in hospitality, what they love, what they don't love and all of those other things that go along with that. Obviously, we will be framing things with a focus on mental health, but they won't be um, exclusively mental health discussions. It's really just about getting to know people who work in hospitality. And I'm very excited to be joined today by the amazing Camilla. Camilla, I'm going to hand it straight over to you to introduce yourself because I think it's always best that we let people introduce uh, themselves rather than speaking for them. So take it away. Uh, thank you very much, Tobiana. Uh, my name is Camilla Morgan. I'm currently sales manager for Victoria Arduino, which is an espresso machine brand, Italian. And I have been in the industry for well over a decade now. Um, I'm also part of the committee of the core directive, um, which is also a um, brilliant initiative supporting um, women uh, in the coffee industry. Amazing. So nice to be chatting with you on this uh, Monday afternoon where it feels like very recently the weather has started to turn very wintry. I think I'm going to have to put my heating on for the first time and I'm so not prepared for it. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to firstly start by getting you to tell us a little bit more about what exactly the CORE Directive is um, and why you got involved with it at Kelly's CORE. We love it. Um, We just think it's such an amazing initiative and Um, It would just be really, really great to hear from your point of view about what exactly the Core Directive is and your role within it and why you got involved. Sure. So the Core Directive is uh, an initiative run by women in coffee. However, we want to be a voice of marginalised people and people who feel that they've, like I said, haven't got a voice in the industry because it's a very male white dominated industry and we haven't always felt like we've had a place at the table where we we do and we want to be the voice um for everyone we're really open to people of all gender and we're really open to everybody who's an ally and want to speak for us I'm just ferociously nodding along with everything that you're saying there because it's so so true that hospitality um, as a wider industry, and I think coffee as well as a part of that is is absolutely so white male dominated, and it is very much time that we change that to be more representative. And one of the reasons I suppose I feel so passionate about it, and I go back to how I got involved, is um, as I mentioned in the introduction, I've been in coffee for well over a decade, and joining an industry that's so male dominated, I kind of find myself taking on a lot of their characteristics to be accepted and went along with it because I wanted to fit in 
by doing that, I, I'm, I'm not, I kind of become part of the problem because I think it's so important that we are, as women, or, or that we offer a role model ship. I don't know the language is, but that we offer a way to, to be role models. And when I heard, so um, Sierra Yale, she founded uh, the core directive. And I heard of it. And being a woman in coffee, I was really keen to get in touch. So I got in touch and we met and we talked really about what challenges we face. And working for an espresso machine tech company, we then went, well, mythos grinders are prevalent, but we always get pushed aside for the male baristas. Um, I know best. I know to change the clamp pressure. I know how to do this. So how can we give more women the feeling of power, like that they know what, that, what they're talking about? So we arranged a workshop at the VA showroom and we invited uh, women to, to join and we had a tech session here. That's how I got involved. That's how I got to know her. The core directive was founded to run, I think, seven events, seven monthly events, and that was going to be it. It wasn't going to go beyond that. And then when COVID hit, we kind of got together and decided to, to, to continue arranging events, but from this point, we're going to do it online. And it was arranged as a, a weekly talk for people in the coffee community to meet, have coffee together, talk. The different weeks got themed as well throughout uh, lockdown. And we built this beautiful community of coffee people all over the world. And from there, a committee was formed and uh, we've continued being a voice and contact point. And we do a lot of work behind the scenes as well um, to support people who are in, who have conundrums, troubles in the coffee industry or people want support. And then also to arrange um, talks program like we just did at Cafe Culture. Amazing. It's so it's so great. I just think it's such a good initiative. And I, I really like to hear how it's kind of grown from being that, you know, something that you're going to do seven events for into the, this now, you know, this really great initiative that's doing events and helping and supporting people. And I think just creating a space where people who have previously been marginalized within the industry feel safe and feel supported and feel like they have a voice. And it's so true. And I so totally agree with what you said at the beginning of that, where when you work in a male-dominated industry as a woman, you often become more masculine and you think you have to stick to these traits of being like really strong and really tough and all of these things. And I had that exact same thing when I started to work as a chef that I was, I remember the first time I went back home to Australia to see my family and my dad was like, what's happened to you? Like, you've become so harsh. He was like, you're mean. And I was like, wow, that's because I've been taking, I felt like to, to fit in, and, and to be able to continue my career in a male-dominated industry, I had to take on board those characteristics and prove that I was like one of the boys and could fit in with everybody. And then when I had that realisation that actually my superpower in being a woman was actually being vulnerable and being able to like inspire that in the men that I was working with as well, it kind of managed to shift the whole perspective. And 
I think it is so important that we can create these spaces where women feel like they can absolutely be themselves and they have that that space to have their voice heard. Mm, absolutely. I want to just ask you a little bit more about your experience in the industry as a woman. So I know that recently you um, participated in the London Coffee Festival. Um, so I'm, I'm, there's not many women, particularly in espresso machines and tech. I'm one of the few. And every year, London Coffee Festival holds the future espresso machine talks. And I've been in this role for three and a half, four years, and I've never been, never been invited. Um, however, this year I was invited, but as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And I was only invited the week before the festival. So part of me didn't really want to, to, to participate because I felt that, I don't know, been overlooked. I can't explain the reasons, um, but I did turn up because if you want to make a change, you've got to turn up. You can't just sit and complain from the back seat. So it's very apparent that just very few of us um, as, as, as women or as people of color, there is, there is no, it's very little representation is, is mostly male and white. And there were seven people on the panel and me and question posed from the audience was something along the lines, what the panel are, or the different companies um, that the panel are representing are doing to promote women and um, people of diversity uh, into the industry. And one of the panelists, um, in fact, no, the questions, po- they, look, they looked at me straight away, obviously, as the, the only woman. So they looked at me. And I then proceeded to look at the panelists. And I went, well, the, the question is pretty obvious here because not much is being done. And... Um, it was then preceded that there was panelists trying to justify themselves. They're then trying to justify why they didn't have more women in their businesses. And one of the panelists even went to say something that was truly shocking, that he is a single man and he wants more women to work in the coffee industry. And I think if it was a joke, it was so badly placed. And I shook my head and I was a bit, Having more representation in our industry is not so the men can have more sexual gratification because it's going to be single women now in in the industry. And it made me quite mad. And that's the point where you have to make a choice where I wanted to get mad. I wanted to raise my voice and really go mad. But if you go mad, nobody listens. If you then start shouting, you then ah, oh, crazy feminist, or you're, you're out of control woman and people stop listening. So I had a few choice words and I wiped the floor with them. And I think I got a few applauds afterwards. Um, but it needed to be said, joke aside, I think it just highlights the ignorance that exists by prominent representatives of, um, of companies uh, in in our industry and I'm so it's just sad that we have so much more work to do so much more work to do to change perception 
that we are more than just a pretty face. We are true representation of the businesses we represent. We have skills, we have knowledge. And as a woman, I always have felt that I needed to work harder, know more, almost have to prove my technical knowledge. I mean, I've had people calling into a showroom. I've had callers. I picked up the phone, as you would, answer really politely, and they want to speak to somebody who can answer the technical question. And I then asked them politely, I was like, what can I do to help? No, I want to speak to somebody in tech, please. Um, I, I hope I can help. If I can't help, I'll pass you on. And then almost have to drag the issue out of them. So this, this more than just, it's a common perception. I think it's, it's a lot of work to do across the board. Um, I also, from London Coffee Festival, I also have to say I'm, I'm also met um, a wonderful female coffee engineer, a technician, which there's not many of women work in that industry e either. Her name is Alice from Bailey's uh, Coffee in Northern Ireland. And mm. if we're going to change people's perception, we need to encourage more women to take up such position as well. So... Um, yeah yeah absolutely and I think that that just that story just perfectly highlighted how far we still have to go and I think that we're constantly in this battle between thinking like well great we're making progress but then also thinking for god's sake it's 2021 how have we only made this much much progress I, I wish I was there I feel like I would have been standing up applauding you from the back and telling this guy to sit down and shut up <laughs> but it is it is it is so challenging in that uh, it's it's so true, isn't it? I used to have things in the kitchen where people would come in to fix things in the kitchen or come in wanting to speak to the, the chef. When I was the head chef, they would literally look through me like I didn't exist to speak to one of the male chefs in the kitchen. And I got, I was actually like, you know, I was about to say I was really lucky, but that isn't how I should frame it. I worked with men who actually stood up for it and were like, you need to speak to Tobiana. She's the head chef. She's the one in charge here, or you need to speak to her. But I can just imagine that in plenty of other situations, the men just kind of take over. And, and you're right. If you, if you stand up for yourself or if you get angry or you get upset or you get annoyed, it's just like, well, she's just a, 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 an angry woman or a crazy woman or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And it's just, it's so hard to fight against that all the time. This, this concept that, you know, women are the more emotional sex is just, ludicrous anyway but yeah it is it is we do still have a really really long way to go I'm, I'm I'm impressed that you managed to put that that guy in his place I hope he went home and thought about it I hope he went home and was like oh god maybe I shouldn't have said that or maybe I need to rethink that that's they're not just you know we don't just want women in the industry so I have somebody to look at or potentially date like it's we're valid members of the industry we're so valid um and we make up half of the population but don't you feel that sometimes we feel like we have to do twice to work to be seen? Absolutely. I think we have to do, uh, yeah, if you, are, if you are a woman or if you are not white, you have to do twice as much in this industry to be seen. And I think it's not just in this industry. It's, it's um, you know, across lots of different things. But, yeah, mm. it is, it's really tough. And I think all of these things kind of tie into to mental health because we do see that, um, you know, mental health issues um, 
are more prominent amongst people who are marginalized because of because of their gender because of their race because of their um, sexuality and all of those things so I want to kind of ask you and get some tips or some insight from you on how you've managed to keep yourself sane as you have established your career it's not been easy um I have been I have uh, I have faced um same challenges as I suppose most people have, is that constant self-doubt, imposter syndrome, very real. Um, Also suffered from anxiety, uh, panic attacks. Um, So I think it's it's so common. Um, And I think finding a balance is very important. Finding space for yourself and a hobby. For me, sports has been a great release because it's something that helped me function is very high performing role so the easy answer would be I haven't got time to do anything else because I'm so busy but actually that is what helps you more than anything so physical activity incredibly important to manage stress or release stress and get rid of it from your body is actually to get busy um, and sweat (laughs) yeah and what what exactly do you do for that I, my hobby is I do triathlons for a hobby. So it's mixing it up. It's a swim, bike and Mm. and run. And I kind of fell into it by accident, to be honest. But then it was how it made me feel was the reason I stuck with it. So six years ago, I did a couch to 5K. A lot of people get into doing these. And it's really manageable. And I, I can thoroughly recommend anyone who's thought about doing it and think they can't run. And I've never, never been sporty. I was very large, um, very overweight, I'd like to add. And I just didn't feel good. And I think you make excuses for yourself, but a day came when there was I couldn't make any excuses anymore. And I couldn't make myself feel better by drinking more alcohol or eating any more mm-hmm. processed foods because it gives you that momentarily of, oh, I feel a bit better. And then you feel really bad afterwards. And then taking up exercise was a way of feeling not only good about myself because, you know, your body, body changed. But then the, I don't know, the freedom, the, the sense of doing something physical became addictive in a way. And I loved it. So after 5K, I then ran 10K. Then I did a half a marathon. And then somebody said, ah, would you like to do this sprint triathlon? And I went, I don't know if I know I'd swim. I used to breaststroke. Um, I'd go at the breaststroke. I didn't know how to crawl. And uh, I ho, I'm up for a challenge. Let's do it. I had a bike and you had to run. Let's do it. So I did a sprint try and I loved it. It was putting these three things together with transitions and the camaraderie, the sense of achievement together, and all the competitors weren't competitors. The on on the course, people were encouraging each other. Um, people ran past you and saying, Well done. And I was be like, oh wow. And I wanted then to learn how to front crawl. So I then learned how to swim and then I rode a little bit faster and got a new bike and yeah so I've 
up to done a half Ironman now this year. I'd planned to do full, but COVID stopped that. So maybe I'll wait a couple of years. I'll do full one one day. But yeah, I don't do things by half, Toby. And I'll get into something. I get into it fully. <laughs> that is honestly so impressive, Camilla. I went to watch the marathon yesterday. It's the first time I've ever been to see it. And I was like, we we stopped and went for lunch in the middle of, of seeing some friends do one part and then another part. And literally after we'd eaten, we're all like, oh, we're so full. It's so hard to walk around now that we've eaten. And we're like, hang on a second. There are people out there running a literal marathon. But I absolutely loved it. Like the energy was just amazing. And it was actually quite emotional. I was going to say Seeing that. all of these people. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. That's honestly so impressive that you've done triathlons I think that's just absolutely amazing well, you could do it Tobiana you could do it I did I did do count to 5k and I never made it all the way to 5k <laughs> so I want to just talk to you a little bit about how you think the kind of perception and conversation around mental health has shifted over the course of your career because obviously you've worked in this industry for quite a long time just want to kind of think about um, we'll hear from you what you think about how that is shifting I know we spoke a bit before about how it's not moving kind of fast enough in terms of equality around Mm -hmm. loads of different things and I just wondered your thoughts on how how that kind of conversation around mental health has shifted I think it's for every industry now for a long time it wasn't spoken about it wasn't talked about because talking about your mental health was almost about talking about your weakness and you felt like your professional uh, competency was questioned as a result whereas now I suppose this changes from 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 employer to employer I'm certainly in a place now where I'm able to talk about it in a way and take time out if I need to and not feel that if I say I'm not coping, I need to have a break, then I have the space to do so. So the acceptance is is there if you have the employer who's willing to listen and 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 allow you the space but I think I'm just fortunate. I don't think that my employer is the norm. I think it's still a bit of, okay, there's one thing that exists, uh, accepted, but I want you to go on with the job. And there is so balanced. For you to be able to perform well at your job, you really need to have the support from when things aren't going very well, or if you do take on too much, or have the, the forum to be able to be honest because sometimes that um, employer-employee balance isn't always, even because the employer obviously is in a position to to unemploy you in many ways, that you, we feel like we have to be a certain persona for them um, to, to stay stay in our roles. So certainly the it's shifted. I think there's more room now to talk about it. But same here, I think we have so far to go still. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing to hear that your employer is like that. But I 100% agree that that is the minority. And I think that's something that I like, I even struck, you know, this is what I work in every day, mental health. And I still struggle with almost like my self stigma where I have days where I'm like, I know that I need to not work today and I need to have a day off, but I still cannot 
actually managed to ever really do that properly. Like I'll say I'll do it. I'll be like, no, I'm just going to take a day off today. I need a day. And I still find myself checking my emails or replying to emails or doing this or doing that. Whereas, you know, if I was physically unwell, I'd be having time off and I wouldn't be doing that. And it's just, it's it's so hard to think. Sometimes I think, are we ever going to get to a point where we take mental health as, as seriously? And, you know, we, especially in, um, hospitality we just expect people to work through anything yeah, because they pay just... your wages so it's almost like, it's like I, I owe you my time or I owe you and it's it's so skewed very in many ways because they are kind of responsible for you to for, for you to pay you your wages and you're protective of your role so I think it goes quite far before people actually say something and they allow themselves in many, many respects and many roles almost to be abused because it can become a quite abusive relationship as well because the expectations um, with what you're able to do isn't always balanced. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we have to shift this narrative of like the fact that our employer is doing us a favor by employing us. Like, businesses wouldn't exist without people who worked for them and this is what's becoming so evident in hospitality now with this whole recruitment crisis is that businesses are literally having to close for services because they can't get the people to work for them and I think we're seeing that shift in that power dynamic as we should should see like the power should be with the employees it should be with the people who are working to make these these people running these business and their employee employers money mm. the businesses are made up by people is the people within it without, without the people and that passion their spirit and their hours of commitment that business wouldn't be successful and we are more than just a number um we're an integral part of of the makeup um and not just an employee number and the employers who recognizes that are the minority perhaps but certainly will be the the more successful ones choose with your feet now i mean if you work in hospitality now i mean i just know in the cafe industry is incredibly difficult for business owners to attract and keep um I was going to say train staff because you can hire anyone but when it's highly skilled and isn't it am i right to say is that often hospitality and cafe businesses and baristas aren't recognized as skilled staff but oh my God, working behind the bar and behind a coffee machine and managing those cues and people expectations, you need so much more skills, so much more skills. You can't just put anyone behind there and say, oh, fill a shift. I mean, I also know now the demand on automation for espresso machines increased tenfold in the last six months. People want automatic steam arms because they haven't got time to train people and then have... They can't open and, unless they have people behind the bar. You have automatic um, tampers now to to streamline that process uh, because it's, it's a skill shortage now. It is a serious skill shortage out there. Yeah, and I think it is honestly the biggest misconception and actually a travesty that people consider hospitality, any role within hospitality to be unskilled. Um, because, I mean, put any kind of politician who's shouting that these people are unskilled working front of house in a busy restaurant and watch them not be able to do it. Crumble. They would actually crumble. crumble. Imagine Boris Johnson 
you know, working front of house at a busy Wagamama on a Friday lunchtime in the city. Like, because I always think about that when when they did the the um, uh, eat out to help out thing, there was that picture of Rishi Sunak serving plates of yaki soba at Wagamama. And I was like, actually, he could not do this job no matter how hard he tried. And I think we have to change that that narrative around around it as well and absolutely it's the same in coffee and cafes like you know the poor I always every time I go into prep I feel so sorry for the poor people making the coffees who've just got people shouting at them the whole time everybody's in a rush everybody's a bit pissed off like it's probably raining outside everybody's a bit annoyed and it's just like it's such a tough job like no matter where you are whether you're there or whether you're working at you know a nice neighborhood bespoke cafe um where you know every one of your customers it's still it's still tough and it requires a lot of skill and I think that kind of narrative around that whole whole industry is something that we need to change and that we need to pass on to to the customer as well I think the wider public need to understand like what goes into the the coffee that they're having and how many people it took to make it and the food that they're eating out and the pint that they're drinking, you know, what it took to get them to that. Because I think we're just so out of touch with what that actually means. Mm, the sense of entitlement sometimes by the customers is it's disgusting, if I'm really honest with you. And the way that you're often treated and the way people speak to you it's so draining. I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's a while now since I so I worked um, on the front line in the cafe. However, what people don't realize is you are putting on a face every single day. And I suppose I do the same in my day job now. Is mm. I put on a face and I have a day job where I'm presenting myself to a customer, representing a company, or whether you're serving. You are offering so much energy from your from yourself that is so draining and tiring and yes dealing with people requires skill because you are offering so much from yourself you're learning how to or you have to particularly when you're in the hospitality is to be happy friendly but you not might feel so happy inside but you still have to put on that face you don't have to deal with an irate customer or somebody complaining or having an issue and then when you hang ups for me, I hang up the phone or if you're in a, in hospitality industry and you they then leave the shop and then you get left with emotions to deal with that afterwards. And it's not appreciated enough, not far enough, because it is super hard work and super draining. And sometimes when you get home afterwards, you just don't want to speak to anyone because you mm-hmm. it's just you've got nothing left to give. And then in the morning, you have to start again. Yeah, absolutely. It's And I think that actually, I probably naively thought that customers and people in general would be nicer post-COVID, but everybody who I've spoken to who works, you know, on the front line in any hospitality business has said that it's actually the opposite and people are even more entitled and even ruder now than they were before. And I just think that, you know, we then expect people to exactly put on this face every day you know pretend that their mental health is not you know suffering as a result of the job that they're doing and I think this is something that we see so much where businesses are like well you know you sort your things out about your life outside of work or it's not work that's causing this or whatever it might be and it, it is because there's no way that you can't get demoralized by being spoken to like you're trash by people day in day out and then what are you going to do take it and you do because 
if you respond in a way you might have wanted to respond when you're not being paid, then you could potentially lose your job. So you have to be listen, understanding, trying to come to a resolution, and then you still be spoken to in, in a way that you wouldn't expect after five o'clock. Um, but you, you mentioned how after COVID you thought people were more understanding, and I've I've heard a lot of that too. Is the expectations now is higher for some reason? Would you would have thought that it would have been kinder and I don't know. What do you think? People more on edge? Do you think people are forgotten what's nice, what's, but be polite or nice to people and understanding? I don't understand what's changed. I don't know. I'd like to give people the be- benefit of the doubt and say that it's because people are feeling anxious or worried about going back out. But I just think, you know, I was sitting at um, a restaurant in Chelsea the other day and I just was like honestly astounded at how rude people were being customers were being to the staff that worked there to the point where I actually turned around and death stared this woman because I was like how do you think it's acceptable to like speak to people like that like it is I think it it does kind of depend on on where you are as well Hmm. Um, and definitely that sense of entitlement um, in the perhaps more affluent areas of London particularly um, um, is worse but yeah I, I don't know I really don't know why it is that people have got have got worse maybe people have forgotten and I think I I think to be honest everybody's patience is a bit is a bit less than it was Mm pre-COVID um and I think that you know we are all still you know even if we think that it seems to have disappeared we're still we're still living in ridiculous times really we really are because we've gone from a lot period of inactivity or not doing very much and then gone to a period of extreme high activity and there's just been very little easing us into it. It literally went from nothing to 110 miles an hour and I know myself, I, I really find it hard. I've, I found it hard. First, I found it really hard not being busy. And then find it really hard then being busy again. And so I also know that that's been quite challenging, but I would never even dream of taking that out on anybody else or going get my coffee and being rude or anything of the sort. And that's still beyond me, really. Um, but it's important for us to 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 mention it, and maybe even as customers, like I said, you stared this person out. Maybe it's worth for us collectively <laughs> to go. I don't think that's acceptable. Let's call him out mm. publicly, and maybe did not. I'm not want to make excuses for anyone, but are they realizing what they're doing, or are they projecting their own stresses onto other people? Um, it's a conversation that's definitely worth continuing. Because I think we call collective responsible to 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 make a change for that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that we lack that like education around that within the UK because it's like you know in different countries in Europe, if you work in hospitality, it's like an amazing career. There's lots of career progression. It's a, it's an industry that's really thought of really highly. Whereas here, we look down upon it, and I think that that's part of that like cultural change that we have have to kind of have towards that. I don't know. I don't know how that's ever going to happen, though, to be honest. Do you think it's also related to pay that people see our industry to be a transient industry? If I'm honest with you, that's kind of mine too. It was 
it's going to get in of it and then out again and then you find a route and you stay in it and you love it and because a lot of our roles are comes in minimum wage and anything that's minimum wage is kind of seen upon as being disposable or not that important or we haven't got a, a very important a degree but don't you also think that this this country is um, also we have in this country for a very long time put a lot of emphasis on academia and it's been it's been pushed through parliament it's been pushed in in, in the narrative and media and but that's not it's not helping us now. Like we're literally, we don't have people to drive the trucks to bring us the food that we need. Like, okay, cool. Like how More is, people in you know, being a, great, like, cool. You know, how does being a lawyer help us in this situation or, or any of these things? Like, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. That focus on, on academia is just like, we need people of all different, you know backgrounds and different interests and different everything to make a society work and why do we not value you know the person who drives and delivers our food to a restaurant as much as the person who cooks it as much as the person who owns the business as much as the person who does the marketing as much as the person who writes the contracts and does the legal side of things like it just should all be be valued Mm. and I think that's something that is just really lacking yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you look at the students now and our children growing up, they place a lot of their importance on the professional value or professional career that they will take. And if the emphasis is on academic roles or education and go forward, are they truly going into something that their heart desires? Are they doing something for the parents or for society or status rather than doing the vocational role? It might not be as well paid, but do something because it makes you happy and that is something you're passionate and interested in. Um, I think you will more than likely have a better chance of being happy if you choose something that you feel good about. Um, the pay can, you know, the, the financial rewards will come if you're successful in said role. But it, it goes beyond that. I suppose you can link that into mental health as well, can't you, Tobiana? Because getting into a role, yes, it might be well paid, but you're incredibly unhappy working all hours given, but you have all this financial wealth. And what to do with it? What does that mean if you're not happy? A lot, in my experience working in the coffee industry, because I worked for a coffee roaster um, as well for many years, is that I met a lot of financiers, a lot of financiers and people from investment uh, banking who decided to leave the industry and they weren't even 40, they're burnt out. And they wanted a change of career. They wanted to open a, a coffee shop and they wanted, um, they have a dream of doing something for themselves. Um but yeah, running a coffee shop might actually be harder and not fun. <laughs> yes. yes, it probably is. But but if it's if it's hard in a way that is something that you're passionate about, then enjoy. Yeah, and it absolutely, mm. exactly, it does all tie into mental health. Like I think what we should actually be encouraging everybody to do is finding something that they like that makes them happy. Because you know we have a mental health crisis in this country that is only going to get worse. Mm. It's definitely not going to get better anytime soon. And you're absolutely right. If we are putting certain certain jobs and certain industries and certain kind of paths to go down as on a pedestal and we're looking down upon these other ones, what you're going to get is people who are doing these things 
that are put on a pedestal because they feel they have to or for status or for wealth or whatever it might be but they're they're miserable Mm. and literally what's the point what's the point of having loads of money and letters after your name if you're miserable uh when you could you know work work uh making coffee in your local coffee shop love it talk to all these people every day have a great you know happy life it just feels like we've got it so wrong on so many levels is this how do you think is this a perception societal perception Uh, how much uh, do we place on governments how much do we place on education system is holistically we really need to look at priorities of our little humans growing up how we are Mm -hmm. um, guiding them into the world but we are guided them guiding them into a world where we place a lot of this very um, mentally challenging demands onto them and expectations onto them. Um, So I don't really know what the answer is here, but I think we have to, like this is whole society. Um, What do you think? We need to crash first before we can change? Do we need to end up in the world? I I, I don't really know. I really wish that I did know or that I had the answer, but I I think, I I do think that it's probably going to have to crash more before it can um improve but I just think we need to we need to be thinking about you know everybody's individual mental health and well-being as being at the forefront of of everything Mm -hmm. and if you are miserable in your job you're going to be miserable in your life there is really no there's no way that we can switch off from it even if you only work a Monday to Friday nine to five job which not many people in hospitality do but even then there's that's still you know where you are majority of your time Mm. or majority of your waking hours so I think that yeah I I think we need to burn it to the ground and rebuild it again okay I'm just we're nearly 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 um at our 45 minutes so I just got a few little quick fire questions for us to end on um so I want to ask you one what's your favorite sauce sauce (gasps) yeah oh 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 Ah, condiment sauce or what hot sauce? Any sauce, any any sauce. Um, if you can't choose one, tell me a few. Ah, okay. Well, I do like uh, creamy mushroom sauce on my steak. Very, very and nice. salad cream on my salad. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Okay, what's the best thing you've eaten in bread recently? In bread. Oh, gosh. Ah, I have no answer to that. I'm not biggest bread fan. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, my husband makes amazing sourdough bread. I do eat yes. that. And he makes with really nice, um, it's like salami. Um, I think it's supposed to have, um, even uh, mozzarella in it, hot, grilled. That's probably mm. the nicest. Mm. Very, very nice. And it's made tastes so much better when it's on homemade sourdough I know well. and I think it puts out harissa like harissa a spread on it as well I think if you could only use one spice for the rest of your life what would it be chili excellent any particular type of chili oh all chilies all good who is your dream dinner guest Jason Statham mm. Excellent. Love that. Love the mm at the end as well. That absolutely made it. That was actually perfect. Camilla, thank you so much. It's been so good to chat. I feel like we have dissected everything. 
uh, maybe come up with some ways to put the world to right and then left it out there for everybody else to come up with the solution. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me and letting me waffle on. I hope I made sense. I would like to do a little uh, plug. We are going to be involved at Manchester Coffee Festival. We're doing a French event at 200 degrees with Bean Voyage, which is an amazing uh, company in Costa Rica supporting women producers. And we will have a talk at the festival as well on the Saturday and hopefully a little cupping to go with it. Amazing. That sounds so good for anybody in Manchester or nearby. Make sure you get along. I would highly recommend checking the Core Directive out. Have a follow on Instagram. There's always lots of great things happening. And keep an eye on what events and talks and everything is coming up soon. Beyond the Past is produced by Kelly's Cause Foundation. For more information about Kelly's Cause, please head to kellyscause.com or find us on Instagram at kellyscause.com.